Hello, everyone. Welcome to Plug in West Michigan, where we talk about electric vehicles with a focus on West Michigan. I'm Carl Bloss. I'm the Muskegon EV guy at MuskegonEVGuy.com. This is episode two, and the format of our show will be a discussion with a focus topic with a guest which today is Josh Bourdain, and we're going to talk about plug-in hybrid vehicles. Then we'll move to a, a quick EV news summary, a value-added section, and then we'll wrap up. So last time we talked about electric vehicle myths and covered some of the basics of driving electric, charging at home, life with a battery electric car. Um, and as we discussed, EVs are already a viable option for many people, and there are many advantages ranging from total cost of ownership, maintenance, environment, and just being plain fun to drive. And one of the takeaways we talked about last time is that the current state of technology with respect to batteries and charging infrastructure, road trips can still be a bit of a challenge with uh, straight battery EVs, unless you have the means for a Tesla, which has the huge advantage of range and its supercharger network for EV road trips, the charging infrastructure for other battery electric vehicles is still up and coming. So unless you're an early adopter and can live with some spotty coverage, particularly in the Midwest, a full EV may not work for you. So enter the plug-in hybrid. My guest today is Josh Bourdain, who drives a plug-in hybrid. So welcome, Josh. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. So Josh, tell me about your journey towards electrified transport. Um, well, I was uh, I'm always a bit of an EV enthusiast. Uh, I remember as a kid growing up in the 90s seeing a uh, a news piece about GM's uh, EV1, their first electric vehicle. I think that was under the, the Saturn brand. Um, and so just, you know, kind of always uh, keeping my out, eye out for electrified vehicles. And then uh, in 2015, I was looking for a new vehicle. And uh, as the uh, filter for the used cars in the area, uh, you know, met all of my requirements, it needed to uh, be fuel efficient, it needed to be a certain size, it needed to have a, a hatchback to fit my upright base, and uh, there was pretty much just one vehicle <laughs> that fit the used vehicle search, and that was, uh, that was my Chevy Volt. So, All right, very yeah. good. What, and what did you drive before that? Uh, I drove a 2003 Mazda Protégé 5 hatchback with a stick. All right. Once a stick driver, always a stick driver. Sometimes I still slam on the brake and hit neutral if I have to stop short. It's uh, well, I've, I've heard it called the millennial anti-theft device. Ah, yeah, yeah. So I can I buy that one. And and so you you learned about electric vehicles just from news and yeah. Was there some some seminal event where you said this this is I got to look into this. Uh, yeah, I mean, just was always you know interested and in, um, there was actually uh, kind of re-sparked my interest in it was uh, a friend of mine had a, a Prius um, uh, mm -hmm. as we were uh, getting into uh, into college kind of kind of lucked out on on some uh, some family draw there uh, but uh, there was a, a really good piece uh, I think it was a Nova piece uh, on PBS that had uh, Tom and Ray from uh, mm -hmm. car talk doing oh, a, a bit on yeah. yeah doing the future car mm -hmm. uh, and they had a huge bit on electric vehicles I think they they showed one of the like first uh, Tesla Roadsters in there and it's like all right we're like we're getting back into this, you know, knowing what happened with sure. uh, the EV1, but knowing that it was kind of picking back up again yep. uh, with uh, with Tesla and other other places. So yeah, just mm -hmm. just kind of always kept a bit of a uh, ear to the ground about electric vehicles. So and and what was really your your incentive for going in that direction? Was it uh, the environmental aspect of it, or the cost of ownership, or a bit of everything, really? Uh, I mean, I'm a, uh, I hate to say that I'm an envir an environmentalist because I'm a like I'm bad at it. Like I care about the environment, but I don't. You know, my follow through sometimes isn't always the best. But yeah, a, a bit of everything. 
Um, you know, it's cheaper to drive. It's better for the environment. Um, you know, and it's more fun to drive, I think. And I, you know, I'm a lover of technology. So uh, that always is a big plus for me, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. So let's back up a little bit and let's talk about um, hybrid technology as far as uh, vehicles go. So even if you don't own one yourself, you've probably seen them or they're hybrid badges. And we know that hybrids uh, get good fuel economy. So, uh, Josh, to you, what, what does it mean to be a hybrid vehicle? Well, uh, you know, this is a funny thing. As I was thinking about this today as we were prepping, uh, you know, we, a lot of us probably know the Toyota Prius is probably the most famous mm-hmm. um, hybrid. Uh, you know, and typically a hybrid, it's uh, when we think about one, it's something that has uh, an electric motor and a gas engine, and it switches between uh, both of them, um, has, you know, a hybrid drivetrain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was thinking about the Prius, and I was going, okay, so it has a hybrid drivetrain, both gas and electric there, but its fuel source... It only has one. It only has one fuel source, which is gas. So mm-hmm. is it is it still a hybrid if it only can technically run on gas? That electricity comes from from the gas engine. Sure. So that's my. I mean, hybrid really ultimately means you're you're blending two two power trains. Whether whether or not wherever the power comes from, we can we can discuss that. And um, but I mean, and I looked it up similarly. Like, what is a hybrid vehicle? And one of the examples I found was. A moped, theoretically, is a hybrid vehicle because you have the option of running it on a little two-stroke gas engine or you can you can pedal it. And really, an electric bike is the same thing. You can pedal it or you've got an alternate fuel source. But I, I think what, what we're talking about today um, for hybrid technology, we're looking at gasoline electric. So, and yeah, we, we, you brought up the Toyota. Toyota didn't invent that, the, the gas electric hybrid uh, but they did popularize it. So somewhere in the range, 1997 to 2000 is really when the first mass-produced hybrid vehicle came out, and that was in the form of the of the Toyota Prius that we know and love, or some people despise. <laughs> um, so how do they actually work? So uh, your your vehicle is not actually a, a series hybrid. We'll talk a little bit more. In fact, why don't we go ahead and jump into that now? The difference between a hybrid and a plug-in hybrid. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and if, so we have the the series, and you can you can maybe we'll start with that and kind of refresh me. So the series is when it's um, uh, the two work together side by side. Is that the? No. Well, I'm thinking that it's uh, almost like if you look at an electrical circuit, it starts at one point and goes to a, another point. So really, to me, the series hybrid that I think of, and I'm sure there are variants out there, is you have a gas engine that generates electricity, and that electricity is then put into a small buffer battery, and from there drives an electric drivetrain. Right. Now, there are other variants out there where some of that mechanical energy, uh, mechanical energy directly from the gas engine is used through some kind of a torque converter or mechanical gearbox to go directly to the wheels. So, again, I don't want to get too much into the technical details, but in my mind, the difference between the hybrid and the plug-in hybrid is your p- sole fuel source for a hybrid is just the gasoline, right? Yeah. The liquid fuel. And what is the the, the main driver? Yeah. So um, you know, with your traditional hybrid, your your Toyota Prius, it's it's just gas, and um, you know, kind of really simplifying it. There's a, a little equation that the car does with the available electricity that it has in its small battery, and says, okay, um, I will. 
accelerate on electricity up to a certain point, and then I will switch over to gas to sustain the energy moving forward and to also uh, charge up the battery so that uh, when it goes to accelerate again, which is one of the least efficient, uh, you know, stopping from zero or starting from zero, mm-hmm. it's one of the least efficient uh, things for a car to do. Um, so switching that uh, that propulsion part over to electric, you know, kind of uh, changes the average of that fuel efficiency. So mm-hmm. it can it can get that really efficient takeoff and then use the gas engine when uh, it's more efficient, which is just sustaining the car moving forward. Uh, and so with a plug-in uh, hybrid, it has a, a much bigger battery, um, so it can do a lot more driving off of that electric motor. Um, and so your uh, you know your your Toyota Prius. Um, you know, might get 45, 50 miles per gallon, um, but your your plug-in hybrid, uh, because it has that much bigger battery and can drive uh, on electric much longer, you can get uh, 100 miles per gallon, 150, 200, all depending on what the, uh, you know, the battery pack and what that motor is designed to do. Of course, that's a bit of a, a cheat number mm-hmm. because you still have to, you know, the electricity isn't free. It has to come out of the wall and you have to pay for it and, you know, it gets you know, stored and used in the battery. But in terms of your, your gas usage, you're going to use a lot less gas even compared to something like a Prius. Okay. So the main difference is that you have a, a larger battery that you can actually fill up from a plug. And, and theoretically, if you have short enough distance to drive, you could drive on pure electric. And, and do you find that you do that? What, what does your typical commute, what is your daily driving and maybe driving pattern uh, including maybe some weekend trips, what, what does that look like for you? And then what does that mean in terms of how much you use in electricity and how much, how often do you fill it up with gas? Yeah, uh, my numbers have changed a little bit. Uh, I did move in the last year, but it's roughly the same, about 50, 53 mile commute. Um, so, um, you know, in the, uh, in the summertime for me, it's about an 80-20 split uh, between uh, electric and gas. In the winter, especially a winter like this where it's pretty cold, um, you know, my gas and electric use might be kind of 50-50. Usually, I was looking at the numbers today. I pulled up my... uh, my Volt stats. Anybody's got a Volt out there, you can. Uh, you, somebody's got a website that'll let you get the raw data from Chevy's OnStar system, um, and it's about 60-40 uh, percent uh, for me of my miles being gas or electric. But um, typically, you know, in the summer, in terms of actual miles, that means um, you know I'm doing about uh, 40-45 miles on electric. Uh, of my 53-mile round-trip commute, and the rest is gas. Um, And that's a car that has an EPA rating of only 34 miles electric. So, um, you know, it's kind of a surprising thing. Usually, uh, at least with the gas cars, people are used to, oh, you know, you see the advertised 33. But for me, maybe because I'm a little, maybe I've got a lighter touch, uh, but I seem to do a pretty easy job of, of exceeding uh, of that range. So that's always been, been good for me. But, um, you know, even, uh, so that's, that's one single charge, but I've looked up some of my, uh, uh, other interesting stats. I found out that, uh, the most I've driven, uh, in a single day on electric was 113 miles. So, you know, so there was a charge in there somewhere, a couple, a couple yeah. of charges in there somewhere. Yeah. I wish I, I yeah. could remember where, but yeah. So, you know, just if you charge up multiple times, if you can, um, you know, I was lucky uh, hopping around buildings for work that another site that I was at had a charger. So I was able to charge up there. I did an errand, came back, plugged in again. Uh, so that day I was really able to get a lot of uh, electric miles out. And let's say the longest um, stretch that I had without uh, using the gas engine was 
451 miles in July of 2016. So I went a good long stretch, just like he said. Mm -hmm. You know, you might hit some times in a plug-in hybrid where you never use the gas. Um, so I was able to do that. And uh, I think I went one time uh, 4,000 miles on a single eight-gallon tank of gas. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So, so it's, it almost seems like so, so there's actually a website associated with uh, with the Volt or there are other places you can get those stats. It, it almost sounds like you're gamifying it where, <laughs> like, hey, I want to be in the, in the top a 10 or bit, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there's somebody out there, um, uh, and I will admit, I, I kind of went a little overboard with uh, my, my hypermiling gamification. You, know, you, you get this page that tells you your numbers, and you go, all right, well, can I do my 53 miles, you know, all, all electric? Which back roads can I go on? <laughs> you know, what, how low or off, you know, how, how, how hot can the car get inside so I can stretch this out? And then once, once you achieve that, you realize you're crazy, and you step back and you go, okay, I'm normal. I can just, I'll, I'll run the air conditioner now. I'll, you know, I can instead of eking it all out. But, um, yeah, there was um, uh, the record holder in the, in the Volt world is, a, uh, I believe the man's name is Ari. And uh, he has a, a famous Volt in the Volt world, which I think is plug, plug in one or plug one in, you know, mm-hmm. that, that internet spelling. Um, he, I think, drove around some stadium uh, over uh, on the East Coast Going, he figured out it was like 23 miles an hour was the magic number. He was trying to, you know, get the record for, uh, you know, most miles on a single charge. And I think he went like 75 miles on a single charge going around this, uh, this stadium. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a, a website where you can go in and you can see all the, the crazy things that people have done to stretch out there. So, so other than geeks like us who who love those kind of stats and and want to want to be able to do that, I've. I've done my share of hypermiling, taking a, a Nissan Leaf on a cross-country journey and seeing how far I could go between charges. So, so what's really the advantage for the average user? Why would I want to plug in when I can just go to a gas station? What, what's the driver? Yeah, for a plug-in hybrid, you know, it's, um, the benefit to it is if you're interested in an electric vehicle or if you just want to save some gas, um, it's a great stepping stone to really understand um, how the uh, an electric car would work for you. So, and that's kind of, you know, in my scenario, when I was looking for that car, had it been the Nissan Leaf that had been the only thing that met my criteria, you know, needing to fit my gigantic uh, luggable base, um, I probably wouldn't have bought the car because I would have, you know, it only had 60 to 80 miles of range um, and my commute's relatively long. And sometimes I might get a weekend gig where, you know, I'm going, you know, maybe 50 miles uh, each way somewhere. So knowing that, okay, it might exceed my um, my daily commute a little bit, and I'll have to use a little bit of gas, a little bit of gas every day. Um, but I know that it's still it's, feasible. It's still feasible, and mm-hmm. I'm going to get a real sense of what a, a full battery electric would be like. I can just kind of multiply. Okay, if it's a battery that's six times bigger, this is what based on my driving habits, what the range would be like. And so for me, it's been a real eye-opener to go, wow, you know, I don't, one, drive as much as I think I do. And most of the driving that I do with any of these new electric cars coming out that are all electric would work, you know, for 99% of my trips within a year. Mm-hmm. So. so do you do most of your charging at home? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I uh, started out just with the level one charger, um, just plugged it into a standard outlet. Um, I had uh, moved in with my girlfriend at the time. She was running a house. We had a uh, an old dryer 
exhaust vent that I ran the cable handle through. I don't know if it's up to code. I don't know what yeah. the statute of limitations are. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it just charged overnight, uh, which is, you know, the, the battery. And so, again, le- level one is your typical 110-volt yeah. outlet. So any outlet becomes your charging station. Yeah, so long as it's uh, – I think the charger that I had could do either 8 amps or 12. But, yeah, mm-hmm. typically you want – you know, that to be the only thing that's on the circuit, but that really is pretty much the only. Right. And that's um, the one that came with the car? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, so we used that for a while and then um, got a, a, a level two, a 240-volt um, uh, charger uh, uh, installed. It's good to have a, a brother-in-law that's an electrician. <laughs> and uh, so that... So that gave you charging speed so that when you come home and... Um, you yeah, know, do a quick trip somewhere quick else trip after home work. And yeah. to, you know, zap it a little bit, and then you can drive electric again. Yeah. And so the, the real drivers, I mean, you had to pay money to get that put in, whether or not it's your relative or not, there's some expense involved. So the, the driver then would still be that you're getting three or four cents per mile, depending on what you're paying from po- power, versus, um, you know, I calculated for me, it would have been about 10 cents per mile. So you're looking at a two and a half to three to one ratio in cost. Is that about what you're finding? In yeah. terms of cost differential. Yeah, it's uh, – so, sorry, uh, I had an ADD moment. You're going to have to re-say re- what you were saying. The, the, the differential in cost, I mean, if you look at what, what it costs you to drive an electric mile versus one that's on, on gas. On gas, okay. You know, and, and being a hybrid, it's, it's naturally already relatively has good fuel economy. I th- was it 30-some miles per gallon when you run it purely on gas? Is uh, that- 38 is the EPA. This time of year I'm getting about – 33 to 35 but okay yeah so i actually just did this uh with a coworker because we're we're mm-hmm. looking at doing some charging at work maybe and they were mm-hmm. asking well how much do you actually save plugging in and it's uh about um uh it's about half maybe 40 percent um uh, of the i'm not great at percentages which is yeah so it would be 40 mm. percent cheaper sure to uh at, at most at cheapest at most math Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, I, I have a degree in music, so it's, uh, you know, it's sometimes a calculation. But, yeah, about half. It's about half, a little bit more, um, depending on the price of gas. Um, but obviously so there's it was, a considerable savings. But it yeah. was enough for you to, to say, hey, I want a level 2 charger. I want this 240 volts, I don't know what, 30, 40, 50 amp circuit that you put in. Yeah. And, therefore, you now get, I'm guessing, somewhere around 20 to 25 miles of range per hour versus your level one, I'm guessing, was three or four miles per hour? Yeah, three to four. So, uh, the first gen volt uh, only has a, we're getting some technical number jargon, but a, a 3.3 kilowatt hour charger. Yeah, the onboard charger is a, yeah. can be a limiting factor. So, you're, yeah. so I'm limited a little bit there, so about uh, 11 to 12 miles an hour. But mm-hmm. um, one of the biggest benefits, especially in a winter like this, um, having that 240 volt charger makes it uh, easier for me to precondition the car. So especially having that small battery, if I can... Um, heat up the car while it's plugged in to the grid, and mm-hmm. so it can use grid power to heat up the cabin and kind of recirculate some warm coolant around the battery and and other things. And you can do that in your in your garage in without garage, without yeah. asphy- asphyxiating anybody, yeah. which you can technically do on level one. But it's you know it's going to use yeah. a little bit of the grid, but most of it's going to come from the battery because it just can't pull as much out. So right. that was another big benefit of of getting a, a level two charger put in. Mm-hmm. So uh, how about maintenance? Um, since with a plug-in hybrid, you still have a combustion engine and some of the things associated with that, how, how do you find the, the maintenance cost compared to your, your original car, maybe maintenance frequency? Obviously, you still have to do oil changes, some of those things, but how often do you need to do that? And is, uh, 
you know, costs associated with that? Yeah, forget the uh, the the mileage. So there's a at least in my volt, there's a uh, an oil health percentage, and so I think right now I'm at about thirty percent. And so I think the manual does have a mileage uh, marker in there, but it's mostly watch the oil health and mm-hmm. if it's been two years, get it changed. So I'm coming up on two years, so I, I need to get my oil changed. But so yeah, typically with the way that I drive and um, the relatively little amount that I use the the gas engine, about every two years uh, for an oil, oil change for me. So wow. it's it's not zero that a, a sure. full battery electric has, but uh, quite a quite a reduction. You know, my old car was about every six thousand miles, mm-hmm. every three months. Sure. So yeah. So uh, and it's there's an expense to that, and obviously the hassle factor. You don't have to do it very often and you can look for coupons or something like that. Making appointments is not my strong suit. So (laughs) if I can do it twice a year or or two times, once every two years, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as far as driving it, you know, there's still this perception that these uh, eco-friendly cars or electric cars are kind of boring. They're, you know, uh, glorified golf carts. Do you find the Volt fun to to drive? Is it Got a pretty good oh, torque and, and acceleration. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's no it's no Tesla, but yeah. it's uh, it's got a sport mode uh, that kind of remaps how the accelerator works, so it's a little touchier in that mode. And and you know, if you if you stomp on it, it it moves. Mm-hmm. You know, just like any electric car, it's got that that torque, especially in the the zero to thirty range is is very quick off the line. And mm-hmm. even on the highway, um, you know, you can. I mean, I I've driven my friend's Prius, and on the highway, it's sort of like. Uh, acceleration through democracy. (laughs) Everybody's got to be in the same room. They've all got to get together like, okay, is everyone ready? We're going to accelerate. We're going to pass this person. We all in agreement. Okay. And then you get to go where, you know, with this car, it's just put it down and and you you go. Yeah. So. Neat. Um, So one of the things I've read recently is that uh, GM is phasing out the Volt. And, but I think plug-in hybrids, there are others available, uh, what what is your thought on them phasing out the volt? Do you think it's sad, or do you think that kind of their direction of going purely on battery electrics is the right way to go? And for somebody that may be looking to get into driving electric, is a plug-in hybrid still a viable option today with the technology that's coming? Yeah, I think first and foremost, I mean we're Midwestern guys here, and I think um, I think the the plug-in hybrid for the Midwest is a great electric car because as of right now, our infrastructure isn't quite what it is on the coasts. Um, and if you want to get into an electric car, knowing you know that 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 range anxiety, you know, which is a term that I I, I hate to use because once you drive one, you you kind of understand it a little more. But um, yeah, it turns into range awareness. Yeah, it really does. But you know, for um, for someone who's just first getting into it, having that peace of mind of knowing, or even if you're just in a single car family and that's the one car you rely on, knowing that you're not going to be limited or um, you know, you don't have to worry about the charging stations that are going to be nearby on that road trip. Um, or at grandma's house. Or, yeah, yeah. For, for a Midwestern, you know, car driver, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, good, uh, a good buy. Um, you know, with the, the newer uh, b- fully battery electrics coming out, I think for most people it's still, it's still going to be, um, those are also going to be viable. But definitely for somebody who is a little cautious, um, I think still they're, they're a great car. Um, as far as the Volt, being discontinued um, is a really interesting uh, thing that happened because a lot of people are like, oh, it's not selling well, so they they nixed it. But they also killed uh, the Cruise, which is one of their their big you know uh, 
uh, don't want to necessarily say cheaper cars, yeah, but you know, level it's, it's their entry level, you know, and value car. sold well for one of those. But they had the Cruze, the Impala, uh, the Cadillac CT6, XTS, and Buick LaCrosse. And I think it's, they were all apparently in the same plant, and those are all sedans, and they're just not making – people aren't buying sedans uh, in the way that they're buying SUVs, and they're also not making – money off of the sedans in the same way that they're make, making the SUVs. Mm. But um, and I think, uh, don't have the, don't have it in my notes, but there was, I think that the Voltec uh, drivetrain, drive which is, you know, the the gasoline hy- uh, electric hybrid uh, system that, that drives the Volt, I think the R&D on that is somewhere around 15 years old. So I think uh, part of that is, you know, kind of moving into the next generation of that. And there is, um, I'm not sure if that changes any of their, um, or if this changes in their previous plans, but they did have, uh, GM did have a, a hybrid SUV. I think it was released in Shanghai's Motor Show in 2017, the um, FNRX. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they move it into mm-hmm. that crossover uh, or SUV. So it is a mature technology. So, and I think that probably speaks highly for being able to pick up a, a used one with confidence. I mean, my first electric car was used because I didn't want to jump a bin with both feet because I didn't know what I was getting into. And, you know, what if it doesn't work out? I want to be able to sell it without taking the hit on the depreciation. So just for fun, we focused on the Volt. I know there are others out there. There's Ford had their C-Max, but there are other plug-in hybrids. So I don't want to focus too much on the Volt, although it's what you have, what you have experience with. But just for fun, I went on cars.com and looked in, you know, a hundred mile radius of my zip code. And I found everything from a 2011 first-generation Volt. They, they did make some changes halfway through. Um, uh, I, so I found one here, let's see, 183,000 miles, 2011 model year for $7,500. And then everything up to a 2017 second-generation for 26000 So there's there's a full gambit of it's – it, it's just hitting the normal um, used car cycle. So would you have any hesitation to recommend something uh, like a Volt to a, a new car driver? Not at all. I mean, that's, uh, that's how I got mine. I was, I was, mine was used. Uh, I bought it in 2015. It was a 2012 model. I think it had around 65 or 70,000 miles on it, and I got it for uh, 13,000. I actually had a, a friend um, who I was talking to about looking at the car, and um, I was you know, tell them, oh, you know, you plug it in, so you get uh, the electric benefits, but it also has a gas engine. And he got a little too excited and was like, oh, well, you know, we're talking about replacing my wife's car. And I was like, well, I've been looking at this and electric cars for months. <laughs> I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're not jumping. You know, this is this is a big decision to go, go electric, you know, at least be educated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he kind of, you know, so I jumped in knowing quite a lot. He ended up jumping in because they had a, a second Volt at the, the dealership. Uh, he jumped in as well, not knowing nearly as much as I did, and we're both just as happy with the cars. So I would definitely recommend, uh, um, you know, a used Volt or any EV, um, especially because those uh, the new prices are relatively high. Um, but because of the way that the market works with the tax credit and that price just seems to evaporate pretty quickly in the resale market, the prices are so much lower on the used market. It's a, a pretty good deal. Yeah, you can jump in for not a lot of money and then yeah. you don't, I mean, it's still thousands of dollars, but um, you know that it's a technology that's going to be out there. GM's going to be around to support it, things right. like that. Yeah, and once they, so, you know, once you start comparing it to a, a used car of, of the same, you know, year, it's really close. Mm-hmm. So, All right, let's kind of sum things up. So 
plug-in hybrids seem like a logical step to to move into electrified transportation. Um, and you know, while the infrastructure catches up, uh, you mentioned the Midwest, particularly here. Um, uh, you know, this is a great way to get all the benefits of driving electric and not worry about, hey, there's not going to be a charging station where I'm going. Um, so you get all the, the fuel savings, you get the instant torque, uh, reduced maintenance cost, and still have the flexibility of being able to fuel up just about anywhere there's a, there's a gas station. So the only drawback that, that I would see is uh, over uh, a few full electric car is there's a little bit of extra complexity. You really have that dual drivetrain, so you do have a combustion engine, you do have electric motors, and then, you know, there's some additional maintenance costs associated with that, which is nominal, and I would say from your experience, and tell me if I'm wrong, is, is less than a, a standard combustion car. Seems to be so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, any other words of wisdom as far as plug-in hybrids, or is it, if, if you had to do it all over again, would you do it again, or do you think... You might go full electric or, I mean, it's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but... Yeah, if I could do it now, uh, you know, I probably would have gone with something like a Bolt um, or... Uh, but the market's different now, yeah, too. Yeah, but it is different now. So given the same time, I, I, I don't think I would have. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's a few things that, you know, about it that I, I wish I would have known beforehand, not that it would have uh, uh, changed my mind. There's a few... Um, uh, not a bug of feature uh, mm-hmm. bits with uh, with the Volt and I think with some of the other um, plug-in hybrids where in cold weather it'll turn the gas engine on because it wants to help out generating heat so it doesn't you know suck all the energy out of the battery and you're like right. but I'm only going a mile yeah but just just burn it through combustion engines are very good at they generating are. heat and they happen to produce yeah. a little bit of mechanical energy. <laughs> yeah so um, you know but those are all little things that you can uh, live with or find a little hack switch to get past so. But yeah, no, it's I, I'm, it's the the best car I've had so far. It's it's been been fun to drive and fun to learn and fun to teach through. And so yeah, all right, very good. So let's move on to some quick EV news snippets. Um, you may have seen in the Super Bowl there were a couple of ads that um, highlighted electric vehicles and renewable energy. Audi had an ad for its e-tron GT concept car. Uh, I believe it was also known as the cashew commercial because it was kind of a daydream. Um, but I thought that was neat that that uh, EVs have gone mainstream enough to to warrant a Super Bowl ad. And then on a similar note, Budweiser highlighted wind power for production of its products. So sustainable energy is, is making inroads as well in the mainstream. In the segment of electric pickup trucks, which I know is of interest uh, in, in the Midwest or anybody that has to uh, haul stuff or tow a boat. Um, there are a number of, of uh, news, uh, news stories that have been popping up. Michigan company Rivian has showed off its R1T electric pickup truck at the LA Auto Show in November. And so we'll watch that one closely. I think they're looking for a 2020 launch. It's a for, very cool looking that truck. That is a cool a looking car. Yeah, if you have a chance, look it up. There's. Um, uh, if, you, uh, if you're on YouTube, there's um, Fully Charged is a channel that they're out of the UK, but they did a really nice segment. It shows all the little uh, bells and whistles and, you know, there's a place you can carry a snowboard and... Um, like perpendicular to the, to yeah, the bed. Yeah, it's yeah, very cool. The bed rolls up. Um, you can actually sleep in that thing. Yeah. It's, 
and each it actually has four electric motors, each one on independent for the wheels on each wheel, and I like a crazy that. amount of torque, wow. zero to sixty in three seconds, um, and a price point somewhere around seventy thousand, which isn't cheap. But if you get a fully decked out F one fifty, you know, it's going to set you back a little bit as well. So I think that's pretty neat. We'll we'll watch that one closely. Speaking of F-150s, Ford has confirmed it's working on electrified versions of its F-150 pickup truck line, both hybrid and full electrics. According to Car and Driver magazine, it's a sure bet we'll have to wait for the next generation F-150 series to arrive before we see the electrified versions. A hybrid version of the truck has been promised for around 2020. And last month, the president of General Motors, GMC Truck Division, said that the brand was considering also building an electric pickup. What's interesting about this story is that, according to uh, internet news outlet Clean Technica, the pickup could come with some technology from Tesla. And that's very interesting because Tesla is also reportedly working on its own version of a pickup truck. So this is a very, um, as Josh mentioned, the SUV market is, is really heating up and, um, and pickups are a very interesting segment as well. Um, the Michigan League of Conservation Voters and the Michigan Environmental Council has released a document titled The Environmental Roadmap. This is a multi-year plan for addressing Michigan's top environmental and public health challenges, ensuring a greener, safer, more sustainable Michigan for future generations. What's interesting for us is there is a piece of um, electric vehicle news in there in terms of the charging infrastructure, but also uh, possible uh, tax credits, things like that. So we'll put some of these news stories. We'll put some, uh, put the links in the show notes, since um, it's difficult to to transmit a URL, things like that. But you could certainly Google those things as well. So let's move on to the next section in uh, in value added. And Josh, I'll let you think about this for a minute yeah. while I go through my my items here. Um, so this is where we talk about some product services ideas that have added value relative to our EV lives. And um, I think you had the same thing here in, in Grand Rapids, but I live in, in Muskegon and we had a power outage last week and I found I was able to use the battery power on my Nissan Leaf to power my water heater and my refrigerator and a couple of other things uh, using an inverter. And so if you're not familiar with that, basically an inverter takes the 12 volt battery power from your car battery and turns it into 110 volt power. And there are different ratings, and so you have to see what your needs are. I picked up a 2-kilowatt or 2,000-watt inverter uh, from Harbor Freight, but you can also get these at your local home improvement store and make sure you get the right gauge wire because that's a lot of power you could be putting in uh, through that device. And, of course, you, need, you could do the same thing with a 12-volt battery on a gas car, but, again, you'd need to fire it up. You need to fire up the gas engine and so that the alternator can recharge the 12 volt and then obviously you can't do that with the garage door closed because of the exhaust so what's neat on an ev is you can do this with the car inside the closed garage and with about 30 kilowatt hours of electricity that's more than enough for my daily use uh, the other thing that i got value is the plug share app um, i recently took my leaf which is a relatively short range car from muskegon to Grand Rapids because we went to the Grand Rapids Public Museum and we found that there are some free EV chargers at the GVSU campus right there 
And on weekends, there's no permit required, so anybody can park there and charge for free. So PlugShare app or PlugShare.com, is, um, it's a user-driven site, so you get some ratings and pictures and um, what parents, people have experienced um, from, from EV chargers. And finally, EVs don't need a lot of maintenance, and even brake life is vastly longer than a combustion car because of the regenerative braking. However, you should check your brake fluid periodically to make sure it hasn't absorbed too much moisture. So brake fluid has a property called hygro it's hygroscopic, which means it attracts moisture out of the air and it, that water deposits in the brake fluid, which is not a good thing. It can cause corrosion um, under extreme conditions. It could even vaporize and cause little steam pockets. So I picked up a brake fluid tester and it's a cheap little device. It looks like a fat pen with two electrodes on the end of it. And you can put this in your brake fluid reservoir and it will measure the water content. So anybody can do this. It's not just for EVs, but because we don't go to the brake shop as often to get our pads and calipers changed, you don't have somebody nagging you to also change your brake fluid. So this is a good idea to do. It's a, it's a cheap thing. I got mine on eBay, but I, saw, I know you can get them at Walmart and other auto parts stores. So, Josh, anything that's added value in your life related to your car? Ooh, added value. Uh, well, uh, I, I can give a, a shout-out to the Muskegon Community College uh, Charger in the same way that you shouted out in Grand Valley. Had a rehearsal there this weekend and uh, got a nice free plug-in. Yeah. So, uh, and I'll, I'll just uh, give a, a quick shout-out to EV Brakes. Uh, I uh, work for a, a local school district. We have a, an auto program, and they occasionally will do some free brake checks. And uh, he looked at my brakes. How many? When was the last time you had these changed? I said I bought it at seventy thousand miles. It's got one hundred and forty thousand on. It. He's like, these are fine. There's like not anywhere on them at all. So, yeah. and I, I had the same experience. Yeah. Um, I took my Tesla in for its three-year service, and I was uh, just under fifty thousand miles. And, and they said, well, you got more than seven eighths <laughs> of your original brake pads left. And so that's why it's important to check the brake fluid. Oh. So, anything else or yeah, I uh, the me. other thing is I can I can say also in terms of Muskegon, we do have a an EV charger downtown, so it's a nice walking distance from some coffee shops and the Fraunthal Theater, so if you come out that way, um, it's right on Western and First, and it is listed on PlugShare, although it's although it's a ChargePoint station, for whatever reason, it hasn't shown up on ChargePoint. There's some controversy about that charger. Yeah, but anyway, it's it's there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a level one slash level two. But it is working. Um, I've, I've used it a couple times just to make sure. But um, we'll try to keep it shoveled out for you because I live right there. And let's uh, let's shout out the city of Muskegon. That uh, I was yeah. worried that that wasn't uh, that that was going to go away. It was over by the Amazon lot. Yeah, over across from the Pigeon Hill Brewery. Yeah, a business. All of a sudden, it's poof. It's gone, and they yeah. brought it back. Yeah, they kudos, brought it back. kudos to yeah. them. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today's show. And thanks to Josh for taking the time to be here on the show. And thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was fun. And then uh, thanks to WKTV for providing the recording studio. And we'll publish some show notes on the WKTV Journal site, as well as uh, my website, which is muskeganevguy.com. You can also leave some comments or questions there, anything you want us to talk about on future shows in the comments section. You can also follow me on Instagram at muskeganevguy. And if you would like to plug in, pun intended, to the Muskegon electric vehicle scene. There is a Facebook page called West Michigan EV and Plug-in Vehicle Enthusiasts. Uh, that's a mouthful. Again, we'll put that in the show notes, but um, briefly, uh, if you are familiar with Facebook groups, it's West Michigan EV. 
Thanks for listening. Until next time.